Hello and welcome to the Life of Gusto podcast. I'm Augusto Andres. This is a special bonus episode featuring extra content with four previous guests, health and fitness leader Marcus Philly, high school counselor Alexandra Hunt, physical therapist Jim Sigelnik, and winemaker Alex McDonald. New episodes are coming soon. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the episode. Part one, Marcus Philly talks about how one might shift from just consuming fitness trends to becoming an active learner and making health and fitness a part of your life. And he shares some insights into the daily struggle of achieving the work-life balance. Like you said, that the landscape of, of fitness 15 years ago was, was limited to personal trainers. Mm-hmm. Now it's evolved. Um, there's so many options for people. Yeah. For people who are new to what you do, what would you say is the difference between like just a personal trainer or CrossFit or any other um, kind of uh, exercise exerciser method or program that's out there? Mm-hmm. So many people are thinking about how do I, you know, especially in the, this pandemic world that we live in, with gyms not open. And people trying to stay um, healthy and um, and get fit, but maybe having the tools or thinking they don't have the tools to do it, mm. and looking for you know options. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to buy like a three thousand dollar Peloton bike or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think you know, there's it, just in in the, in the years that I've been doing fitness. Which I think I kind of I, I I kind of summarizes twenty the past twenty years of my life, but um, along the way you can be you can consume fitness in a lot of different ways. There's so many ways to get to get fitness sort of fed to you, and um, you can take a class, you can do an online thing, you can join a boot camp, you can download a training program online and go outside and do your best at it. You can order the $3,000 Peloton bike and join that. Um, and for, for a lot of people, they'll, they'll kind of jump on the, the merry-go-round of fitness consumption for decades. I'll try this. Then I'll go try that. Then I'll go try this. And the people I find that are really successful long-term are the ones that, take a, a little bit deeper investment at some point to try and learn and uh, not just consume, but, you know, become an active participant in the learning process of fitness. Like, what did you learn from that three month thing you did that's going to carry with you for years to come that you can keep in, um, you can keep using to you know, have some control and balance in your health and fitness. And the problem is that most people will go and do a boot camp class for three weeks. They'll get their butt kicked every day that they're there and they'll be like, oh, those were great workouts. And then a year later, they're not doing anything with that information. They're not doing anything with that, th- those workouts. If you ask them like, hey, what, what, what were the workouts? What'd you do? And they wouldn't even be able to tell you what they did. They just were like, they just remember it was hard. 
And I find that um, really problematic because you're, you're not, you're not learning anything that helps you down the road. You're just going and getting it done and then you're leaving. And that was always a problem I found with medicine was like, I don't want to just have people come in and just treat their symptoms with some meds and then send them on their way because they'll be right back in my office in a year, right? With another problem that they didn't learn anything about. So I think what we're doing and what we're always trying to connect to everything we offer is some form of teaching and we're attracting people that want, we, we like to label them as thinking athletes. Like I want to think and I want to learn. And in doing so, I'm going to gather up tools that I can use for a long, long time to come. And if you're, you know, a, a, you know, if you want to work on your health and fitness, that's a mentality I believe you should bring to your health and fitness. Like, okay, do it, do a diet. Fine. But learn why you're doing it. Learn what what about that works for you and what doesn't work for you so that you can hold on to that for years to come. Right. If you're somebody that wants to coach other people in fitness, like don't just give them workouts, like teach them why they're doing what they're doing, because that'll help them down the road and they'll become more self-sufficient, more autonomous with their health and fitness over time. Thinking about all the different roles that you've got now, your uh, boss you're running a business, you are a father, a husband, um, you've got your social media that you are active on. And I, I follow you on Instagram, so I know that you're not just posting, but you're also interacting with a lot of your followers as much as you can. Obviously, that's hard. But how do you, what's your secret to balancing everything? Mm -hmm. um, there is no secret. I do not balance things particularly well it is <clears throat> it's triage daily the thing that i'm proud of you know in my my life my relationship my family is that it's something i have awareness of that it gets out of balance there's it's in balance that there's too much of this there's not enough of that like we're paying attention to it i'm not just walking through life um blindly <clears throat> you know going with whatever the flow is because each person from what I have seen and I'm a perfect example, we have, you know, uh, we have a bias towards something in our life that <clears throat> pulls our attention. It might pull our attention because we're passionate about it. It might pull our attention because we have uh, intrinsic uh, anxieties that drive us to be particularly focused in an area. <clears throat> um, you know, my, my, uh, I guess I call it like a compulsion or, you know, my tendency is to gravitate more towards work. And, um, while I'm certainly passionate about what I do, I also have my, my fair share of anxieties and, oh gosh, like if I don't pay attention to my business that I've been working so hard on to support me and my lifestyle and my family, maybe it'll fall apart. And so I got to make sure I'm always working. And um, so I just have to pay attention to that and see, you know, when one thing in my, my pie chart of life takes too much time or is getting too much of my attention, something else starts to feel wrong, you know, and starts to feel off. My communication with my wife gets 
uh, there's this friction there when I'm too focused on work mm -hmm. because she's not feeling like I'm, <clears throat> I'm present and showing up and listening and she's being, you know, cared for. And then that, that I, I'm, I've recognized the signs of that and the feeling of that doesn't feel good to me. Um, if I don't spend enough time on work, if I'm, if I really detach for too long, like I literally don't look at my email for 36 hours, like I start to get really anxious as a mm. person. And then that I'm not, I'm not really focused on playing with my kids. I'm just like there. I'm just sort of like this shell that's sort of distracted. Um, so I've cultivated a practice of self-awareness through, you know, uh, different tools like have being in therapy, um, having open conversations and discussions with my wife. Uh, and then, you know, just having enough time over the years of feeling when things feel like empty and just sort of incomplete and when things feel rich and, f and fulfilling and right. no knowing that the rich and fulfilling times are not when I'm like heavily biased towards one thing. It's when I'm, you know, I'm doing that, that dance that people talk about and call balance. Like I'm kind of just doing the dance every day. Part two is for musical theater fans. I force Alex Hunt to choose her three favorite cast albums. And we talk briefly about our mutual love for Hamilton. Here's a tough question for you. Okay. Um, if you were, it's one of those, like if you were stuck on an island questions, <laughs> you're stuck on an island, but you can only have three cast albums. Three of, cast albums. Of musicals, which would they be? Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. Well, Okay, definitely Hamilton. Like, you just can't live without it. <laughs> Hamilton is everything. All of a sudden, my mind just went blank, and I can't think of anything. <laughs> West, would Rent or West Side Story be included? Um, you know what? Yes. Rent would be included for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think West Side Story would be included. I mean, I have it memorized, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I would want something to balance out Hamilton and um rent so i might go oh my gosh i would want to... not la la land oh god no i hate it <laughs> i know everybody hates me for saying that but i hated la la land <laughs> i know you did because <laughs> so it wasn't happy because it wasn't it didn't have a happy ending it wasn't i need a happy ending i really do <laughs> i really do i hate miss saigon for that very reason well and others too yeah. But, <laughs> um, I don't know. I might with go with something a little bit more like hmm, I want something a little bit more soft. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh gosh. Into the woods. Not into the woods. No. That's not soft. No, it's not soft. <laughs> <laughs> it's not soft. But you know what? You know, I might have to go with like Les Mis or something, even though it's not totally soft. Right. But it's got beautiful ballads and power all at the same time. Right. Okay. You've got a mixture of sad, triumphant, um, you know, 
Um, and a little rock and roll. And a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you mentioned it, um, let's talk about Hamilton. You and I have had the chance to see it multiple times. Yes. Um, and yeah. now this summer, we got the gift of it being released on film, finally. Yes. Um, what are your first, you know, what is it that you love about the show? And what are your thoughts on the, the release on Disney Plus? Okay. What do I love about the show? Other than the word everything. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, not only does it have some great, like just significance in terms of, you know, casting and the musicality of it with this old story and everything and just challenging you know societal norms which I love and then there's the genius of the lyrics and you know the different genres of music and how Lin-Manuel Miranda you know really pulled from all of these artists and was influenced by all these different people and still made it his own like it's just genius and you every song that comes up is a whole new experience you're never bored and you're going to cry and you're going to laugh and you're going to want to jump out of your seat and punch the air you know <laughs> what I mean for it's sure so great and the film on the one hand obviously was so great because it's the original cast so you get to see the people that I ne didn't necessarily get to see live ever which was amazing and you get to see them up close because you know when you're in the seat, you don't get that you know, up close and personal view. Right. At the same time, I will say that I prefer the stage stage version better because you really do need a lot of the context with the stage and with the ensemble and what's happening all around the main characters. So I love seeing their faces, of course, but when you see their faces, then you're missing the choreography and, right. you know, the like just everything going on on the stage, which is simultaneously brilliant and relevant to the story. Right. Yeah, I think it's it is amazing to be able to see up close. Because I remember the first time we saw it, we were up in the rafters. Yes. So <laughs> we we got to see the whole thing, but none of the facial expressions. Um, exactly. Which makes a huge difference in a lot of ways. Um, but you're right. I think when you do get the close-ups, you miss the action that's happening. I mean, that company is the hardest working company I think I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Um, they don't stop. They don't stop. Um, <laughs> they're nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any, um, what are your favorite um, songs from, from that musical? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So again, again, you have, you're stuck on Island. You can only take three tracks with you. <laughs> three tracks. Okay. Satisfied. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously satisfied. Um, wait for it. Have to. Such a good song. Yeah. Such a good song. Um, oh gosh. And then uh, I might want something again soft. So I'd have to choose between burn and dear Theodosia. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I could choose between them. It's hard. It's hard to choose. I think my favorites change all the time. I think Satisfied is definitely always on the top. Always. Part three. Jim Segelnik talks about the limits of either we're thinking 
and I share his extended answer to the advice he gave at the end of his episode, a mindful approach that he calls slow is fast. So I've, I know you've got this, you've got the, the podcast with your, your friend, Rob Case, about surfing. Yep. And I've listened to a couple episodes and I swear they're, you're just full of wisdom. I, there are a couple of things, quotes <laughs> that I've written down. I'm like, that should be on like a poster or something. You'll just um, be a nice now. <laughs> no, 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 I wrote this thing. You said um, in one episode, something that I thought could be applied to, you know, not just what we were talking about, but also to, to life, to surfing, other, other areas. And I think about it. You said, um, in life, the answer is very rarely in the ends um, and more in the middle. So if you're only or never, you're probably missing some secret ingredient um, in between, which I, which I loved because I think that's so true. We can sometimes get stuck in, in you know, thinking um, whether it's with therapy or like I'm, I'm broken, you know, or um, I can only, um, I only, I need you to fix it. But the answer to getting better is, is not either of those things. It's something in between. And that, like you said, it's going to be different for every person. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of kind of exploring, being open to all the possibilities. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it took me a while to kind of get there because I, I, I probably used to be an always and never type person. But if we go back to one of the first things we talked about, that's very egotistical. Yeah always and never is a belief that you're right. And um, I, it, it's my belief that uh, we should be open to different points of view at all points of time and we should entertain them. And I think that's a sign of a smart person, mm -hmm. right? Which kind of like correlates exactly to what's going on in the world today. Like, can you think of a time in our lifetime where we've been more divided, right? It's, it's this or that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying I have the answer obviously, but I'm just saying it's egotistical, you know? And um, <clears throat> my hope is that at some point in time, as tensions kind of ease, we could probably meet in the middle somewhere and find the answer. But in mm -hmm. kind of going back, relating it to physical therapy is like, if you see a quote expert, the difference between an maybe a old school and a novel expert is mm. I think a novel expert will ask questions and express that there's uncertainty, but still have the skill to give you confidence that that's okay. And mm -hmm. you're still going to get better, even though there's uncertainty. Right. An old school expert will say, I'm, I know exactly what's going on here. Right. This is what we're going to do. And if he or she gets it and it works fine, but if he or she misses and you mm -hmm. don't get better or it, you, you, you don't get the answer that the expert told you you were going to get, right. that's, that sours that relationship because now that person doesn't believe or um, have much value in everything you say moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, so in, in a lot of things, medical are kind of like that, you know? Yeah, yeah with you know obviously it, certain things come up you you listen to your doc and you follow like yeah there there is that but a lot of things in my world are so uncertain that i think we're probably where art meets science is the language we choose to use and the path we choose to get better mm -hmm. showing that there, we have to have faith in the body and it's going to be uncertain and we don't fully understand it sometimes but we know 
clusters of things that get people better. Right. You know, but yeah, I think that always in everything I, 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 every day I probably like, even in simple things, if I say, Oh, I always do that. I always, I, I see, I just did it there. I, <laughs> I catch myself and I go always and never try not to say those two words. Right. Do you have a life tip um, or a piece of advice that you'd like to share it can be about, um, you know, the move, movement, body surfing, anything that you'd like to, to share with the audience? Mm, if I really just had to keep it simple, I'd say slow is fast. Hmm. Want to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, I, was, I was trying to let that awkward silence burn. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think slow is fast. I think um, uh, as I've matured, I've become less in a rush to do things that I think I need to do or I think I, I, I need other people to see me do. And so um, it becomes a holistic blend of uh, essentially just healthy living, diet, exercise, um, spirituality or religion, uh, mindfulness, meditation, and trying to find um, the exact kind of frequencies or dosage of each one of those um, kind of uh, separate categories that seem to put you in a state of nirvana. You know, I think um, going back to kind of Buddhism, like during that tough time in my life of failing an internship, I, I spent some time out there in West Marin at Spirit Rock, um, I guess, learning how to meditate. And um, a lot of it is uh, Buddhist based. And I got into reading about Buddhism. And one of the things that sticks out is um, one of the things that uh, Buddhist monks do it, near the end of their training is they will meditate overlooking a corpse. Oh. And part of the reason why they do that is they try to find this. If you can find a state of Nirvana overlooking a corpse, then you've really got it, oh. you know? And so that, that kind of mental image kind of sticks with me in my day to day with mm -hmm. stress and the state of the world that we're in now essentially we're overlooking a corpse and you need to be okay with that. And so that's the challenge. That is a profound place to end. That's going to give me some, a lot to think about after we end the call. Part four, Alex McDonald chooses his favorite vintage and talks about the differences that can occur from year to year and the taste of the wine, depending on the weather conditions. So this might be um, kind of like asking a parent to pick their favorite child, but do you have a favorite among the vintages that you've released? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a question. We get asked that question a lot. My brother has two, two daughters, a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and um, you know, he used to always say you couldn't pick your favorite vintage because you couldn't, you know, pick your favorite child. But right now, now I'm pretty sure he has a favorite child, so it might be easier for him to pick his favorite vintage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but for me, it's it's uh, 
I mean, it's fun because we, you know, our first commercial release was 2010 and we just bought all our 2018. So we have, you know, you know, a, enough vintages under our belt now that you kind of start comparing them. Uh, mm-hmm. And what's really fun about it is that it changes. Like, um, you know, upon release, you know, I'd say like our, our 16 one was one of my favorite wines upon release, but um, being able to drink right now, our 2012, I think that's in a really, really special spot. Um, so it, it's cool. Cause you, you know, one of the unique components about wine is that the flavors and everything about it continues to evolve with time. And so, you know, your favorites evolve with time as well. Um, to answer the question more directly, the, growing season in Napa in 2013 was just, um, you know, one of the, the best seasons you could have possibly asked for. And, mm-hmm. you know, people that have been doing this a lot longer than we have when 2013 came around, they said, you know, this might be the best vintage we've seen in Napa in the last 50 plus years. Um, that wine for us turned out to be just absolutely spectacular. Um, and it's, it's a wine that's, you know, it's, it's beautiful now, but it's going to just keep, aging even better in my opinion um so that's that's probably the wine that i would have to mark is will will go down as the wine that i'll probably be the most proud of um and and down the road maybe be the best quality out of everything we've produced um that being said also we've we've had a lot of great vintages so it's kind of like splitting hairs on which one you like because it's it's more of a personal choice at that point because um 13 being a little bit more structured and age-worthy um, you know, might not be exactly what people like people would maybe some people want something a little more approachable and easier drinking. So, um, you know, other vintages are better for that, but it's, it's, it's a question that should be easy to answer. It always leads to a long winded response. No, that's great. It's great to know. <laughs> I imagine you probably like if you, if somebody just called out a year, you'd be able to describe the wine, the conditions in the vineyard, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of those, you know, it's, kind of one of those things is we've, you know, worked more and more is, you know, you, you, you always hear like, uh, you know, if you don't have anything to talk about or, or, you know, you meet somebody and their you know, conversation isn't flowing. The first thing people go is, Oh, you know, it's really nice weather today or, you know, and everybody in the wine industry talks about weather all the time because it's actually important to what we're right. doing. So I, I've always felt like, uh, you know, each year you, you focus so much on the weather because it really dictates how that, year you know from a winemaking perspective is going to turn out um and because you're so focused on it throughout the year it just really sticks with you uh and the coolest thing is if you make the wine you know our our goal is always to make a wine that represents our vineyard and that vintage so if you do that correctly and you do it well you can go back and drink that wine and be able to even have those triggers of like 13 being more powerful right away you can be like oh well that was the first year of California drought and drought years lead to more concentration. So that's going to be a wine that's going to have that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, intensity versus a vintage like 2011, which you taste and it's a little bit more, um, you know, balanced, a little, you know, less intense when it comes to ripeness. And you go, oh, it was a longer, cooler growing season. And we had, you know, rain throughout the fall. And it, it le- led to a vintage that you just didn't get like that over the top power but you're still able to create a wine that was elegant and beautiful um you know if you picked at the right time so it's you know you can taste the vintage when done correctly which kind of builds the trigger of remembering the the kind of season itself which is kind of fun yeah i guess that's what's 
unique and special about producing wines every every year every release yeah, is going to be different yeah and one one thing i would say is uh you know each time you try a bottle of wine even if it's the same wine it could taste different right and that's what makes it exciting versus you know the the vodka tonic is supposed to taste the same every time <laughs> <laughs> so it just depends on what you're looking for right If you've reached this point, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Share the podcast with a friend. And if you're listening on the Anchor app, feel free to leave me a voice message, share your thoughts, feedback, and any ideas you might have for future episodes. Come back soon for more conversation about finding your way and living a life of gusto. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.